Welcome to the FML Podcast. I'm your host, Carrie Esmail, and I help ambitious women like you optimize their lives by mastering their fitness, mindset, and lifestyle. You are limitless, and my goal is for you to walk away from each episode believing that. Hello, fam. Welcome back. Today, we have Gabby Villerma on the show with us. And I was really drawn to Gabby's content on Instagram because she really makes you feel seen and safe. And if I had to sum it up, I would say Gabby is all things healing in order to grow and to optimize your life. She does a lot of the deep inner work, the shadow work in order to heal and let go of the past and step into your higher self. And this is exactly what we get into today, starting with judgment and what that means in your healing journey to some of Gabby's own personal stories to how to honor and feel your emotions and practice gratitude and what that can do for you and then how to get started with embodiment practices and This episode is just really loaded, so we're going to dive right into it. I hope you enjoy, and if you do, please don't forget to drop a five-star rating below. It would really help me out. Let's get into it. Yeah, I think projections are one of the best mirrors that you can use to heal yourself. So I say there's a few different mirrors, but I think projections is one of the best ones, especially in your relationships, that what you see in others, what you judge in others, is really just a sign that you are judging that within yourself. So I've used them. Like that was something that was really hard for me to kind of come to this realization of as someone who never wanted to admit that I judged others because I didn't want others judging me. But one, I realized that, okay, where I'm judging others is where I'm judging myself, but also that I would project a lot of thoughts in the minds of others about me. So like, I would think that others were judging me when it was really just me judging me. And so I'd I'd be like, oh my gosh, she probably thinks I'm so this, or I'm so that, or I can't do this because they're going to think X, Y, or Z about me. But that's just because I was thinking X, Y, or Z about me, not because they were. I never had any proof of that judgment. That was something that I was creating in my own mind based on my own wounding. And so I find that those projections or um, the where you find yourself judging others is really you just judging yourself. So good. So good. And I love how you went into the anticipation of others' judgments, like putting words in other people's mouths. I literally said to my husband, I think it was last night, he said something, I don't even know about like people thinking something. I said, well, what's your evidence of that? What evidence do you have that someone's thinking or saying that? And he said, I don't have any. I said, then that's just you judging yourself. Yeah. That's what the fear of judgment is. Fear is like false evidence appearing real. Fear of judgment is false evidence appearing real. You're putting false evidence that someone is going, is thinking something about you that they're not like, that's not real. Yes. It's, it's an illusion Mm -hmm. literally, but it feels so, so real because there's so much attached to it. But one thing I do want to ask you before we even get into that, when we talk about like other people judging you versus you judging yourself. What is the most effective way for you? Is it 
putting a stop to judging other people first and then you'll stop judging yourself or stop judging yourself first and then you'll stop judging other people? Oh, this is such a great question. And I think that you have to, honestly, honestly, it's a little bit of both. And I think it's going to be different for a lot of people. Um, But there are certain areas of my life where I had to start changing my viewpoint on other people before I could start changing the viewpoint on myself. Then I think there's other things that I needed to start changing the viewpoint on myself before I could see differently in other people. So an example, like, I think the easiest example for me that I can, I can explain and that I use that was so real throughout my healing journey was OnlyFans. People who created an OnlyFans and were doing OnlyFans, I judged so hard. I judged them so hard, um, to be honest. And like, I hated that about myself. I was like, why are you judging these people for like, like you do you sister, you do you. And then I like realized I was like, the reason I'm judging these people is because that's something I could never have the confidence to do because I'm so insecure. Like, that was my own body image wounds, my own insecurity, my body and my, and my own, you know, insecurity and like my sexuality that, was coming out and that I was projecting onto that person that like, that's something I could never do. And I was insecure about that. And so I I recognized this and then I was like, okay, well, first of all, you need to start like changing how you view those people who are doing OnlyFans, but then also you need to do your own inner healing around your body image and around your sexuality, sensuality, in order to also stop, stop projecting that wound onto someone else who isn't insecure about that. And he was able to be fully expressed in that piece of who she is and, and her feminine. And so, yeah, I think it it is a little bit of both for sure. And I've even found in my clients, that's something that I've suggested to my clients is like, every time you catch yourself judging someone else, that is an opportunity for you to do healing and say, Hey, I see that I'm like judging you. Or I even like, I see I'm comparing myself to you. How can I hype you up and celebrate you? Because the more that you, you train your brain to start thinking differently about others, the easier that it becomes to like, kind of retrain your brain and how you think about yourself. So I'm like, what do you celebrate in others that you're not celebrating in yourself and like keep on celebrating in others. And then it becomes easier to celebrate within yourself. And that's something that I, I found for, for me is that the more I can celebrate others and stop competing and comparing and judging, then the easier it becomes to stop like competing and comparing myself and like holding that judgment inside. Yes. Ooh, that's so good. That's so good. So like all in all, it really is a little bit of both and it's situational. Yeah. We all, we always, if there's something like that, there's always some inner healing to do within ourselves. Yeah, for sure. Like, for example, like saying like she has something, like maybe you're comparing like someone has the job that you want, or maybe like the relationship that you, you want really see like what wound is that triggering internally for you? I think that's one where it may be more of like an inward healing battle than like changing how you're judging others. You really go inward and say, okay, where am I judging? What story am I telling myself about myself and doing healing around that story, kind of changing the story for yourself. I love that. I love that so much. That's so powerful. Looking like recognizing, not even looking at it, like their stories, they are stories that we're telling ourselves that we're literally making up in our head. Same thing, like with other people judging us. When it comes to people doing their self-work, 
with that because we know as coaches that the most fast and effective and deepest way to go is to get coached around stuff like that. Like you go in, you do the damn thing, you go out, you're changed, you're good. Then it's just like implementing, practicing, right? When people are doing self-work, what would you recommend they do with that when they come across a story? Yeah. Okay. So kind of like the four-step process that I like to use is the first one is this reflection. So is this mirror, this mirror is reflecting back to you, Hey, there's a story and there's a wound here that needs healing. And then the second one is going to be like releasing the story. So one, I would say really like zoom out, zoom out and like, look at the facts. Like what are the facts here? What are the facts here? So zooming out and looking at the facts to one, change the story. But I think the second thing that's really important that a lot of people forget about is forgiving yourself for the story, right? Because I think we think this story and then we create a second story judging ourselves about the first story. And then it leads to that vicious downward cycle of like, okay, the second that one dark cloud comes, now it's like a vicious rainstorm. And I know that's where I felt when I first started my healing journey that anytime something triggered me, it was just like, I was done for the rest of the day. Like you could not get me out of that rain cloud and and that eventually turned into a tsunami. And so when that rain cloud does come, when you do feel triggered, when that, that projection is presenting itself, is forgiving yourself for that because we all have them. We all have that inner critic voice in your head. That inner critic is your younger wounded self. So really recognizing and forgiving that voice for coming and then looking at the facts to say, okay, how can I, how can I change this story in my head based off of the facts that I have presented or based off of what I know? And that can kind of also help you remove the emotions that are attached to it because it's the emotions that then lead to the behavioral actions that continue the, the downward spiral. Um, or it's, it's the emotions that maybe also is where you get stuck because you feel these emotions of guilt, of shame, of, of insecurity, of fear, of anger, whatever it is. And then you, you stop, you stop there because you're not allowed to feel those emotions. So then you get stuck and then you're storing them and then they're being held on to like, let yourself get to that second step of release of letting go of the story, releasing the emotions that are attached to that story so that you can look at the facts and you can change the story and forgive yourself for whatever the situation was. Um, so yeah, I would say those are steps one and two of the the process that I use with, with my clients when going inward and doing, doing the self-work. Yeah. So, so good. Thank you for sharing that. Talk to me a little bit about the power of feeling your emotions instead of resisting or storing them. Yeah, I I love this because I know that personally I work with a lot of high achievers. I consider myself a high achiever. I'm sure you do as well. And I think as high achievers, we wear this mask over our emotions because it's a sign of vulnerability or weakness. And we've been told that we're not allowed to share or show our emotions. And so they all get stored up and pent up in, in our bodies. I think also you kind of mentioned before we even hopped on this podcast, that body image being a topic that we can both really relate on. And I think that's something that I also struggled with when it came to feeling my emotions was I had such an unhealthy relationship with my body for so long that I didn't even know when I was emotionally dysregulated because I was so disconnected from my body. And I couldn't actually even feel when my body was in this state of anxiety or fear or anger. And so kind of the first phase of my journey was just connecting with my body. So I could be like, 
people would say like, what are you feeling right now? And I'm like, uh, I don't know, just like not good. Or like, where, where do you feel? They would ask me like, where do you feel this emotion? And I'm like, uh, my chest, uh, my shoulders, like, but the more that I learned about this work and the more that I kind of was able to use breath work or different kind of like silencing of my mind to really drop into my body, different embodiment practices. I've been able to kind of recognize when these emotions are coming up for me and where they are also coming up for me. Like, is it tightness in my chest? Is it a lump in my throat? Is it, you know, emptiness in my stomach or like queasiness in my stomach? Because emotions are literally energy that are stored in your body that need to be released and needs to be let go of. And if they're not let go of, they're just going to be stored and trapped there. And that's going to continue to one, disconnect you from your body and make you feel like kind of like a stranger in there, but two, just like hold on to that past memory or whatever it is. And so the power of like releasing your emotions is letting yourself actually go there and feel and let go let go of that that programming. Our body is literally technology. We need to release the programming of the energy of our emotions. And so I would, if you're open to it, I would love to share the story of like my first emotional release. You guys, it was like so powerful. I, because I didn't really know about any of this until I actually experienced it myself. And then I was like, oh my gosh, this literally all makes sense. I was on call with my mentor. And at the time I was really healing grief. Like I had just lost my dad and I didn't really know how to handle, like lots of emotions come with, come with grief, lots of them. But he kind of came, he kind of helped me come to this realization that I was struggling with a lot of anger around losing my dad. And I didn't even know that that was an emotion that would be attached to loss or grief. And when he said that, it all kind of came, started piecing together. So I started going through this, this um, ceremony or ritual, for lack of a better word, of releasing anger. Like I screamed at the top of my lungs into a pillow. I wrote this whole letter, angry letter to him. And then like forgiving him at the end, I read the letter out loud, like looking at myself in the mirror, just like releasing, bawling the whole time, letting go. I burned the letter. And like, all of this is just like releasing and letting go of those, that, that anger that I had stored up and pent up. And I kind of felt like dysregulated after whatever, like I was like, Oh, okay. Like that kind of felt good. That, that was good. And then like, I can't remember if it was hours later or the next morning or something, but all of a sudden, like I got this like rush of gratitude, this like weird rush, like through my body. Like I could actually feel it through my body of like intense gratitude, like thanking my dad for like the life and the legacy that he, he left for us. And it was so powerful. And I got on the call with my mentor and I was like, it was so weird. Like after I did that whole like release thing, I was, I just felt so grateful. I just like felt like this sense of gratitude, like rushed through my body. He was like, exactly. He was like, you could not ever feel that you couldn't find like the silver lining for lack of a better word in this until you released all of the negative emotions. Like you aren't going to be able to feel the depths of love and the depths of gratitude and the depths of joy and peace. If you don't also feel the depths of anger and fear and sadness and pain that you need to go through. And 
it really helps me understand the power of your emotions because there's obviously all the negative ones, but also all the positive ones. And you're never going to be able to feel the depths of the positive ones until you feel the depths of the negative ones and let them let go. You need to give yourself permission to feel both equally. Um, and that kind of all pieced it together because the more that I was able to work through my pains of my past and, and let them go and release them, the deeper and more intimate I've been able to feel love, whether that's for myself or just like anything in my life. Um, I think I was like just so numb for for so long and allowing myself and giving myself that permission to feel my emotions has been extremely healing and yeah, life-changing. That is wild. Wow. I love hearing stories like that. Like connecting with your body. And I mean, it's that one experience, you'll never see emotions the same way. Again, you'll probably never handle them the same way. So now like, what does it look like for you to handle? Actually, no, let's start with like, if you're open to being vulnerable, which with your book, I love the transparency. It's so good. It's so helpful. Um, first question, what do you think are like top two to three negative emotions that tend to recur for you? Oh, okay. Um, shame, 100%. Lots of shame. Um, lots of shame and guilt for certain things of my past. And that's really where a lot of my more recent healing has been is like, okay, I can recognize a lot of like the mistakes I made or a lot of the things that I've gone on in my past or different versions of myself, whether it's like my version with an eating disorder or mistakes I made as a business owner, like trying to figure things out, just holding on to a lot of shame and guilt for that um, or those times in my life. So that's one um, emotion that is definitely been very, very triggering that I think shame is like the core, like root emotion that a lot of people struggle with. Oh yeah. Um, I would say that, and I mean, fear, fear, I would say also, um, I think shame is the emotion that I attached to a lot of things in my past. Fear is the emotion I attached to a lot of things in my future. Um, <laughs> and when I'm able to like, let go of both of those emotions or when I can like really ground myself in the present. Um, so yeah, I would say those two. Yes. Oh my gosh. You just put that into words so perfectly. It's so true. Like, yeah, I won't repeat what you just said, but I want to, because it was just so good. I want to like solidify it in my mind. So we've got shame. We've got fear. What does it look like for you to feel and be with those emotions? Oh yeah, girl, that is such a good question. Um, so shame, I, I let myself, I let myself cry, but I think with shame, it's also a lot, a lot of forgiveness. So for me with shame, I really try to recognize, okay, well, like what version of myself, what younger past version of myself is holding on to this, this weight still? And how can I, how can I go to her? What does she need to hear from me? Um, how can I, how can I hold her? And so that is where I do a lot of like my inner child work, honestly, um, going to my inner child or nurturing her, telling her what she needs to hear. Um, but I also think one of the most powerful things that I've done with my inner child is bringing her to my life today. Um, because it puts a lot of things in perspective. So I went on a, I went to like a healing workshop in June and we did a whole breath work. I could tell you, I think this breath work was like maybe two hours long. It was, it was a lot. It was intense. 
but it was an inner child uh, breath work. And I brought my inner child to this apartment that I'm in right now. And it looks over the city, you know, the light, like the sun was like glaring in. And this is something that like I pay for my own. Like she was just like so proud of me. And what she said to me when I brought her here, she was like, oh my gosh, Gab, you're living the dream. And like myself today, like broke down. Cause I was like, I am living the dream. Like, why am I, you know, holding my, why am I so hard on myself all the time? Like I'm literally living my inner child's dream right now. I am my inner child's dream. And so that was like, helps me release a lot of like shame. Like everything that I have gone through has gotten me here. And it allows me to like, always remember, like, I'm always doing my best. I'm always just doing the best that I can with what I know at the time or what I have handed to me. And yeah, so that has really helped me that like anytime I'm, I'm getting that shame, like spiral coming on, I'm like, okay, you're living the dream. You're living the dream. Um, and really just forgiveness is, is the biggest, biggest key to freedom. Um, and then I think with fear, fear is a tough one. Fear is a tough one. Um, but again, I think fear is like whenever I'm trying to, I'm stuck in the future, whenever I'm stuck in the future or I'm in this place of like lack and scarcity, I'm like, okay, abundance, bring yourself back into the present abundance. And I do that with gratitude. I mean, I I think the easiest way to practice abundance is just expressing gratitude for what you have in the present. Uh, To me, abundance is all about enoughness. So reminding myself that like everything is enough as it is right here, right now and practicing gratitude for that. And that can really get me out of that like fear scarcity mindset. Yeah. I love that. And I love how gratitude always finds its way into the picture is always an answer, always a key to, I mean, to everything, you know, it's directly, are are you a Brene Brown fan? Mm, I've, I think I've read one of her books. Okay. She's an author, right? Yeah. So she's a researcher. She researches emotions and she writes books and she's famous for her books and her Ted talks and whatever. If you're not a fan, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, if you read like one of her books that like speaks to you, when you read the back, you will become a super fan because everything that you're saying, I'm like, yes. Like you're like saying nuggets of like everything that she, you know, writes entire books on. So I feel like you would love her. Um, but she studies emotions, like I said, and gratitude and joy. People who are more joyful in life practice gratitude intentionally. It's like a direct correlation that you cannot deny. And that for me is enough. Like we always want joy, whether we're feeling shame, fear, whatever it is, gratitude. Gratitude is just like always the answer. And it can be that simple. You know, it's like, I feel like when you, when I talk about practicing gratitude, sometimes I feel a little bit redundant because it has hit the mainstream. People are like, oh, make your gratitude list. And I've been doing that with my clients for years, but there's a big difference between just writing the things on the list that you write every single day and feeling the gratitude in your body. What's your experience with that? Yeah. I think that like kind of brings up the, this idea of like embodiment, like it's one thing to go through the emotions, the go through, not the emotions, the emotions, <laughs> go through the motions of all this personal development mindset, healing work. Like 
anyone can go through the emotions. Anyone can read the personal development books. Anyone can listen to the podcasts. Anyone can make the long ass to-do list like every high achiever does of all the things that you need to get done and check them off. But if you're not actually being present while you're doing them, if you're not being present while practicing gratitude, then it's, it's, you know, mud under the water, whatever the saying is, right? Um, I think embodying the feelings and the, and the emotions, that's what really does the work. Because like I said, like our bodies are a technology. We need to reprogram the technology that's inside of our bodies, not just neurologically by like neuro neuroplasticity and like changing the neurotransmitters that are in there, but also emotionally in our body with the programs that it is addicted to and attached to. And a lot of our bodies are addicted and attached to fear and scarcity and lack. And that's the normal that it is, is raised off of. And when we're able to shift the, the honestly chemicals and the hormones that are in our body by consistently practicing gratitude and feeling gratitude over and over and over again, that's how we actually make change in who we are. That's how we actually make change in our energy and the emotions that we live our everyday with in. And when you are able to up-level who you embody, the energy in which you embody, the emotions in which you embody to these more positive ones like joy, like peace, like abundance, like gratitude, that's when you start attracting it into your life. That's when your reality starts to change. Yeah, that's like when the cycle truly breaks is when you can recognize where it's living, where it's being stored in your body and find your way to let that go. That, I mean, I think we can all speak to that being like, we did it, like we're moving on. Like things are really changing now. It's quite a breakthrough for beginners with embodiment practices. Where would you have them start? Oh gosh, safety. 100%. Um, a second release that I had with my mentor was a lack of safety that I felt in my body from something that I really had no idea I was holding on to so much. Uh, I guess I didn't even know it was a little T trauma quotations that I was struggling with, but it kept on coming up for me and I shared it with him and I got extremely emotional sharing it with him. And he brought me back to that version of myself and said, what does she need to hear? And something that I never even realized would be so powerful was she needs to hear that she's safe and floodgates opened. Like that is what that version of myself needed to hear was that she's safe. And I think, especially as women, we do not feel safe in our bodies. And so we disconnect from them. We run away from them. And that's why we can't feel our, we don't let ourselves feel our emotions. That's why we don't know how to listen to our bodies. That's why we turn to like drugs, sex, alcohol, overeating, under-exercising is because we are so disconnected from our bodies. I actually did a whole podcast on, on this too. Like just the power of embodiment and creating safety in your body is, is one of the first steps to even be able to start to do any of this healing work. Um, so I would say 100% just like affirming yourself that you're safe and making sure that you do truly feel safe in, in your body. Um, the second thing I think when it comes to like emotions for me has been breath work, a, a lot of breath work. I think the more that I just focus on silencing my mind, I think 
because we are disconnected from our body, we spend all of our time in our mind. Like you need to silence the mind and drop into the body through meditation and breath work. Um, it's hard to do when you don't feel safe in your body, but just like continue to affirm to yourself that you are safe to, to drop in there. Um, and the one thing that I did, I, I went on my tangent because I was going to say that I, a lot of us women don't feel safe is in our body because our body is not meeting the like standards of what our body needs to look like. Um, so just also, I think doing a lot of healing around, around that and around the expectations that you're setting for what your body needs to look like, I think is super important for creating this safety. Um, so I guess the, the three pillars of embodiment that I like to think about is one self-care, which understanding that self-care goes far beyond just like bubble baths and lotion and all of that. But like self-care actually has a lot of different pillars, but like, are you going to the doctor regularly and like checking in on your health? Um, are you making time for yourself? Is your environment like clean and tidy? That's like a form of self-care. Uh, are you able to offer yourself compassion? something that not a lot of people are, but like self-compassion is a form of, of self-care. And then are you able to let yourself, you know, feel your emotions and honor the emotions that come up for you? That's a form of, of self-care and not just numb them or, or cope with them using some type of distraction. Um, another thing when it comes to embodiment is also what, what's the best word? to use. Um, it's just, I guess, understanding your why, like you are so much more than your body and going that much deeper into you as a, as a woman, um, that you are so much more than your body is another piece of safety and embodiment is like, we are soul housed in a body, not a, not a body housing a soul. So really making, making that difference was huge for me. Um, and the third one is missing me right now, but Self-care, knowing your why beyond your body, I think are two powerful embodiment tools. Um, Those are great. Besides and just the obvious meditation and breath work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, those, those run deeper for sure. And I love how you clarify self-love, self-care mm. and how like all the different points to that. I want to like go back and take notes on that. It was so good. Like, it's not just getting your nails done. It's mm -hmm. not like, think about like, how do you define love? How do you define like a really, really healthy love in a relationship? What do you do for one another? How do you speak to one another? What do you offer one another? Do it for yourself. That's yeah. it. I like, I've kind of reframed it as like, quality time with myself when I do like my self-care nights so that I'm not like on autopilot, like, Ooh, I'm going to do my self tanner and I'm going to do my skincare and it's more like quality. Okay. What is quality time with me? What does she need today? Does she need like to be out of the house? Does she need to be locked in this room at night, like meditating, doing the thing, just like being alone. And it looks different all the time. Right. Yeah. One of the things I like to do, I like to call my like higher self happy hour or like my golden hour where I'm like, okay, what does my higher self need right now? Does she need to like deep clean this apartment or does she just need to like go for a walk in nature or does she need to like sit down with a book or does she need to like go shower because she hasn't showered in like four days? Like what does she need right now? <laughs> um, so I like to do that 
every day is like giving myself a half hour to an hour where I'm like checking in with my higher self and like fully embodying her, like being in her energy. Yeah. I love that, man. Everything in this episode was so good. I'm really excited to listen to it back. And honestly, like there's again, just so many like things that are coming up and I'm like, ah, my intuition was like pulling me to you for so many different reasons. So like, I want to just, I don't know. I want to do this again. I feel like we could crack open so many more things. Yes. I'm relaunching my podcast tomorrow. So we can, I'll have you, I'll have you on mine too. Um, Amazing. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, my goal for August is to shift my identity to being a podcaster. Like we're getting off Instagram and we're just going to be a podcaster from now on. Cause I love this. Like this lights up my soul. Like my higher self is thriving right now. I love that. Congrats on relaunching. I'm going to have to listen. And yeah, I would love to be on for the people who are loving you, which I guarantee you they all are today. Um, where can they find you on Instagram? And what is the name of your podcast? Yeah. So um, on Instagram, my name is Gabby Villermel, just just my name. Um, and then my podcast is The 1% Woman. That's my rebrand. I just launched a rebrand into that. So yeah. I saw that. It looks awesome. Thank you. Super cool. That's strong branding. But yeah, check Gabby out. I'm going to put her Instagram and her show in the show notes. And if you guys really jive to what we talked about, don't hesitate to reach out. Shoot us a DM. I'm sure Gabby would love to chat. You guys know I'm always down to chat. So yeah. Yeah, Gabby, thank Thank you so much for being on. Thank you. Absolutely. I'll see you guys back here next time.